Today, Keith and I tackle the heady and extensive subject of wine and summer and what's drinking well right now and how you should identify good value wines for yourself. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Give Me Some Truth. Keith, I've always wanted to kind of ask you a question or get this out into uh, the atmosphere here. Uh, you're a big wine guy, or at least you, you, you purport to know a fair amount about wine. wine. Uh, and well, I know about a specific country's wine, I would say more so than anything. Okay, so you consider yourself to be a French wine expert. Connoisseur, maybe. Oh, so now, okay, for so that everybody knows out there, Keith does not really like Napa or Sonoma. He's not a California wine guy. And the reason why you're not a California wine guy is is why, Keith? There, there are a couple of reasons. First of all, generally they have very, very fruity wines. So they pick, you know, very late in, in the process. Um, and that also leads to higher alcohol content in the wines. And, and then to compensate in many cases for the fact that there's not a lot of balance when you have these very, very fruity wines, um, they end up over-oaking a lot of the wines. And so you have these oaky fruit bombs. And they, they, they to me, often, you know, when I drink them, taste artificial. Um, and, you know, in some cases they are artificial because according to, you know, French winemaking technique, you're not supposed to, for instance, drop wood chips in the wine, right? And in a lot of cases in California, that's less of a, a concern. And so what I prefer are milder uh, wines uh, that are, are better, what I would think better expressions of the grapes. So they have a, generally a lower alcohol content because they're not picking in in the same sort of ways to get the the quality the quantity of fruitiness in the wines um and then they're not oaking as much and if they are oaking they're using oak uh older oak so it's a subtler flavor that it's imparting um in a lot of cases they're also using metal um and and a lot of uh, americans are now kind of coming around to this because uh, you know if you go out with with people in a lot of cases People say, oh, I like Chardonnay, but I only like unoaked Chardonnay mm-hmm. because uh, a lot of people just notice that that kind of odd taste on the end of, of Chardonnay. And that's not to say there aren't good oaked Chardonnays, but it just doesn't correspond with what I like in, in wines. And then the other thing that I, I frequently find is a lot of, you know, the big California wines are cabs, you know, and, and cab is a is a pretty straightforward grape um, in a lot of ways, and I like Pinot Noir. Now there are some good Pinot Noir makers out there in California. Uh, he no longer makes it, but I like uh, a wine called Department C, was a, a French style preparation. But it's not just California; it's these big fruity, oaky monsters that are kind of overwhelming the grape. And there are a whole bunch of reasons for that. We can we can go into all the history about that. One of them is the influence of uh, Robert Parker on wine tasting, particularly in the United States. But he's also had an effect on on wines in France as well. So you're saying the point system, where you're saying him, he being a a reviewer that's well renowned and, and yeah. that's and so he has a particular palate. Um, you know, and, and he's done some great things. Don't get me wrong. He, he popularized one of my favorite wines, Chateau Neuf de Pop, 
um, and also some of the other wines of that region that are, are awesome in, in their own way, Gigondas, for instance. Um, but what he really likes are big, bold wines, and part of that is because of how many wines I think he tastes. Um, you know, he tastes these wines and tastes these wines and tastes these wines, and his, his palate has probably gotten a little dulled over the time by how many, you know, wines he's tasted, and so he needs bigger, bolder flavors to, to set him off. It's chasing the dragon. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's got this, this wine-tasting uh, addiction, really, what it comes down to. And, and you know, um, there's just... There are, there are a whole bunch of things, and we've talked about this. I think in a lot of cases, uh, what you might call subtler wines go better with food, um, and that's when I drink a lot of wine is with, with dinner or something like that. So I don't want something that's like super overpowering and, and show-offy. Um, you know, I want something that's going to pair well with, with what I'm eating and match up well with that. So that's the other reason why I have kind of a distaste for a lot of California wines. And if I go to the store and I'm just buying a... a $10 wine. I probably won't even buy a, a, a French wine in a lot of cases. I'll look at uh, Germany or Austria. I like a lot of Austrian reds, actually. Um, and, you know, for a good, you can get a good Portuguese white for, you know, eight, nine dollars. And that's a nice cold summer evening wine, too. So I, part of it is, you know, I, I just don't like generally if I buy a wine off the shelf from California, what I'm going to get. So as far as value wines, you're, you're alluding to some of the countries that might not be as, uh, you know, they're obviously not France, which is going to have that French premium on that wine. Yeah. Um, and now I would say there's also that, that California premium. I mean, I've had some nice, you know, Washington wines. Uh, I, I like that style in many cases. Uh, versus well, and the advantage of, of Washington is it's a little cooler, right? Yeah. So um, you're going to get a little uh, subtler wine you know, just from the, the territory itself. And then, so for those uninitiated and looking to try some French wines, um, you know, one recommendation I would have because, and it actually was from a client. He said, go into, you know, Steve's and go talk to Dominique, who, who's over there, if we're going to keep it local. And, uh, you know, Dominique, you know, he said, go tell Dominique that uh, you want wine, uh, that doesn't smell like cat pee from France. And, and he laughs, of course. He takes me over to the Sancerre, hopefully I'm saying that right, uh, the Sancerre region. And uh, my wife really loves Sauvignon Blanc. And so we, we were trying a bunch of different things from, from that region, from the Loire region, and that sort of minerality of that white wine. I mean, boy, you know, those wines pair so well with summer mm -hmm. and food and I, I think they're great wines. Uh, now, sometimes they can go down a little quick. So thankfully, the uh, alcohol contents are the lower side of those. <laughs> but uh, I found that one is really good. But, you know, what are other some... I know you're a little more initiated than I am on the, the red wines from France. What mm -hmm. regions would you be focusing well, on? Well, if you're in the Loire Valley, well, one of my favorites is Chinon. C-H-I-N-O-N. And if you're ever in France, you should go to Chinon. It's a beautiful town, uh, not too far down the road from Tours, north of Paris. Uh, you can get there by, a, a, you could probably do one or the other in a day trip. Chinon has a great Loire Valley wine. It's a good value. It's a good price. It's a nice, 
uh, easy, you know, uh, subtle, a little bit of minerality, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, um, you know, fruit and, and, you know, tannins, and it's not too dominant uh, in any one way. And then in winter, one of my favorite wines in the world is when there's a snowstorm and you want to make beef stew. Uh, not at all appropriate for this time because when you pour it out, it's is about as thick as motor oil, you know, uh, is Kaor, C-A-H-O-R-S. And actually, for a long time, um, less reputable winemakers in, in Bordeaux would actually uh, steal up. It's, it's a particular grape there, the Malbec grape. Um, and they would uh, steal down um, to, uh, you know, Kaor and use some of that grape to fortify their, their wines in years where maybe the product was a little thinner than it may have, may have been. And I think that's one of the, what you did is I think one of the, if people are like intimidated by French wine because it operates on a little bit different system, right? It's, it does. It's not it's as simple as a Pinot Noir. Yeah. You know, it's like, determined yeah. more by what grape pairs well with what region and the region they might, you know, put in, uh, they might blend. Uh, Burgundy is generally Pinot Noir, though Southern Burgundy, if you've ever had uh, Beaujolais, that's that's a a Gamay grape in most of the cases. And Beaujolais, and not the Beaujolais Nouveau, which are like the Coca-Cola of wines. They're very sweet, very fresh. Uh, Beaujolais is another one that in the autumn is often a very good, you know, not a Beaujolais Nouveau, but a Beaujolais Village. And those are, are great you know, fall wines with like a rabbit in a lot of cases. And, and I think that's what you did is the way I would approach it if I was somebody that wanted to talk about wine is go into the store, go into Steve's, go into, you know, one of the other great uh, uh, squ- square wine company downtown. Uh, they do a great job as well and say, hey, here's what I like. I, I've never tried France. I want to try France. You know, I like Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, well, you know, oh, Loire Valley is great. Or I really, you know, I'm having some oysters and want to have a French wine. Oh, Muscadet is the classic pairing for seafood because it's really minerally and and sharp, um, and it stands up well to the kind of brininess of fish. So that's what I would do. Oh, I like Pinot Noir. Oh, then, you know, here's a a good Burgundy to try. Um, And don't get into Burgundy because that way, as your financial advisors, we have to tell you lies (laughs) Financial ruin. It's right up there with buying a boat in in terms of things that we can't recommend to you. That's right. It lasts even less than a boat. So you know. <laughs> now, do you do you cellar wines? Do you do anything like that? Yeah. Um, so I've been collecting wines since. Uh, with uh, you know, I took my first wine class. I was uh, twenty twenty one living in Paris and took a, a wine class there and, and got a couple of good bottles from uh, the wine shop. And um, it's been fun. We've been drinking them because they're now almost 20 years old. Um, and then just, you know, various points, people people will pop up with bottles of wine. But yeah, we I'll, I'll tend to settle her. Um, my father also collects wine. And, and so I'll, you know, buy a couple of bottles and we'll, we'll park them there or park them in my basement now that I have the basement and, and keep them. And then when we're all back for the holidays or something like that, it's a good time to, to break them out. And no, I'm just starting to get into that a little bit. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm taking my wine fridge that I just got downstairs and it's, it's kind of that hierarchy system. I have, you know, I have dual zone, which is nice. So I have my whites at a lower temperature so I can just grab them out and drink them right away. And then the reds are obviously, a little bit higher, but at that sort of ideal temperature. And then, of course, 
the more expensive it gets, it gets lower and lower in the case, right? <laughs> you know, so that's how you do it. And uh, out of eye level, right? Yeah, you can't. You can't. We're very careful about the, uh, you know, in our family, we, we just call them, there's like Tuesday wines and then there's other wines, you know, and you don't touch the other wines and you always, we always grab the app, the Vino and take a snap of it. If you haven't checked that out, it, it's great. That, that app is wonderful for when you're in the store and there's a lot of crowdsourced information on there. So you can really kind of deduce, okay, is this a pretty good wine? Is this a pretty good value? All that sort of thing. But, you know, we'll, we'll do it that way. And then, you know, but I guess my question for you is I'm trying to, to find those wines that are maybe the 40 to $60 wines that someday will be 200 to 250 If I'm going to start getting those sorts of wines and having them appreciate significantly the price, what should I be looking for? Oh, boy, that's a, that's a tough question. Because, um, you know, investing in wine um, has actually held up quite well. It has. As we've, yeah. we've talked about, and, and maybe in the, in the, you know, when we, we post this podcast, we can put a couple of links in the, in the newsletter where they talk about some of these things. You know, uh, figuring out wines that will do well in terms of investment is a couple of things. One is to think about uh, things that are currently underappreciated. You know, if you go to Burgundy, you go to Bordeaux, those are already coming out very, very expensive and are probably going to stay very expensive unless you hold on to them to the, for the next 40 or 50 years. Um, and, you know, I've, I've talked to folks that, you know, got wines 40 or 50 years ago. But there are some areas where I think um, there's still some values where you might see appreciation. One of them is actually vintage champagne, which is, it's expensive, obviously, it's champagne. But relatively speaking, it's it's a, a, a relatively good price. And one of my feelings is people should drink more sparkling wine in general, um, either from France. And, you know, obviously champagne is the big one, but you can go and get a Cremant de Loire, which is a, a sparkling wine from the Wine Valley that's delicious and fantastic. And 12, 15 bucks. And who doesn't like having bubbles? I mean, it's, it's a nice, fun thing. But vintage champagne is one that people have talked about. And then... To be honest with you, buy what you like, um, and and you know hold on to it. You you need wines that are going to age for a long time. So Malbec is one. Actually, Caor has started to see some of that because Malbec will age for a long time. And what happens when a wine ages is some of the rough edges will will fall off, uh, so to speak. You know when you when you dry, buy a, a red wine, uh, young red wine. Um, from Burgundy or from California where, you know, it's been oaked, you get that tanniny, you know, dryness on your mouth. And so over time, the, the dryness sort of balances out and falls off and it becomes a more balanced wine. The other place, you know, again, is look a field. Um, Germany in particular, it's Rieslings and it's ice wines. Uh, again, very expensive, but probably have a chance to, to appreciate. Um, and Italy, um, the super Tuscans are obviously going to be big, expensive wines, but there are some other wines in Italy that'll that'll age. I'm less of an expert. Um, and Spain is another good one. Uh, Rioja has started to get see a little bit of re- resurgence, but if you like big California, if you like big France, uh, Rioja is a great place to go if you're looking for something in that $30 to $50 range because you can see a really good... Um, wine that may be more expensive if it were elsewhere. Yeah, and I noticed uh, when I was in Total Wine the other day, they've done a really good job there in particular of regionalizing the wines uh, so that, you know, the other day you told me, hey, go look at some wines from Rhone. Is mm-hmm. it Rhone? Yep, the yeah. Rhone Valley. Rhone Valley. And so, yeah, and, and so I was going to that region and specifically looking at those. 
So the, uh, hmm, I'm not even going to attempt to say it. It's it's the Chateauneuf de uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah the so. Chateauneuf de Pop. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, and and that one I was looking for, and I bought a couple bottles of that, and it's sitting in my cellar. I guess as a general rule for myself, if I'm going to buy some wine, I usually try to save one bottle for now, and then a couple bottles for you know aging to see. How yeah, I and I think that's a good way to go, depending on what your wine budget is. If you're you know getting a and. You know, it doesn't have to be every time you go to the store either. You know, you can go and get Tuesday wines. I mean, if you're drinking on a, a Tuesday night, a two-buck chuck may be what, exactly what you're looking for. But if you're buying a little nicer wine, try to buy a couple because it's a good way of educating yourself. Um, you know, um, try it now. See what it tastes like. You know, if you're cop- you know, uh, if you've got an app, write down some notes in the app for yourself, and then go and taste it in a couple of years and see. The other thing is, a lot of wines don't hold up for more than four or five years as well. So don't age them forever and ever. Um, you know, the wines that age forever and ever, they'll they'll tell you at the store generally if you talk to somebody. And again, talk to talk to the people at the store. At Steve's, they're great. At uh, I haven't spent much time at at Total Wine. But Square Wine Company, they want to talk to you. They want to help you. It's a, it's th- these are people that got into the business because they love wine and love talking about it, and they love telling you about the oldest bottle they've had or you know what are you drinking on a Tuesday night here? You know wh- what would you drink? And they're not going to try to sell you the most expensive bottle of wine. They're going to sell you because they want you to come back and and talk to them again and and that sort of thing. So really avail yourself of of those kind of experts. Yeah, and I've noticed that some of the good value wine spots, because I've tried them, uh, Barrique's Mm -hmm. has tended to have, you know, they had that wall, still do have that wall of 100 and uh, that Fitchburg store, which is really nice. I I do enjoy kind of picking around there, reading the descriptions. And then um, Vom Foss, uh, locally, too, on University Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a couple guys that really, you know, are able to unearth great value wines that were quite good, you know, and, and uh, good ones to use for cooking and things like that. I know that the whole, like, adage from these very, um, you know, accomplished chefs are, well, you should use the same stuff that you would actually drink in your dishes. I don't know if I'm there. I'm not pouring... <laughs> You know, a half a bottle into my no, you know, red wine uh, stew uh, so that I yeah. can't drink my Pinot Noir that's great. You know, no thank you. <laughs> no, and I think as well, depending on what you're cooking with and what you're making, that, you know, a lot of wine adages, people, you know, white with, with fish and red are, are good rules of thumbs, but... You know, experiment. Maybe you like a, a good red wine with, with fish, and there are certainly lots of fish dishes that have red wine sauces associated with them. So, you know, these adages. Uh, and that's the other thing. I think, you know, wine people like myself have, you know, reputations of being giant snobs, which, you know, in my worst moments, I, I think when I s- start speaking about Burgundy, I am. Um, but uh, I think a lot of people should take it as it's supposed to be fun enjoy it you know and and share it with people that's one of the great things about wine is it's a conversation starter you know if you have four people around a table that's usually there are four glasses and a bottle of wine you know you sit down and start chatting about it and you know how many times have you sat down and somebody's like oh yeah i got this when we were in this country and and it's been great you know we tried it and it's great or you know i really liked you know we went here and we tried this bottle and and then also when you're buying wines, be careful because uh, the atmosphere of where you're buying it will certainly affect 
uh, your taste buds. So if you're sitting on a hillside as the sun sets in France, uh, that, that Chateau Neuf de Pop is going to taste a lot better than in your basement. <laughs> you know, on a on a Tuesday night in in a rainy f- March night, you know, it's very true. I mean, atmosphere dictates a lot about it. I, I completely agree with you. And then the telling the stories on it is just you get some of the best stories at a dinner party around a glass of wine, whether or not it's about the wine or not. And uh, what could you say? What would you say the most uh, uh, arrogant thing that somebody can do about wine? What's something that drives you crazy? <sighs> Boy, there there are a lot of them. Um, you know, uh, first of all, value, anytime somebody mentions how much a bottle costs, um, drives me nuts because that's not to my mind, the important thing. Um, the important thing is how good is it? You know, why did you buy it? What are you, what are you trying out? Um, because there, there are lots of people, you know, you can buy a bottle of screaming Eagle or, you know, one of those super cabs and it costs a lot of money and, but it doesn't mean you're you're to my mind drinking wine is a social thing is a, a thing that goes with food and it's not for me just kind of showing off the the money thing um so that's you know one thing that said if any of our clients have a bottle of domaine romane conti uh, i'll show up and and sweep the driveway and clean out the basement and uh you know uh get the gutters out for you and you can tell me how about how much that bottle costs over and over again <laughs> Um, so that's one of them. And, and then they're just, you know, you, you know, the, the wine snobs that are, that are there to kind of show off. I mean, you know, and, and I have friends with whom we get into total nerd conversations and we're one upping each other and, you know, digging around in the basement. And, um, but for the most part, the people who love wine just want other people to try it, I think. And that's really, you know, a lot of what it's about. For me, it's that weird aeration thing that people do when they suck in. If they have that, that's uh, that's one of those. And I, then, I don't mind that one because I haven't mastered that skill, and I'm worried if I do it, I'm just going to end up like my shirt today with a big red wine stain <laughs> on the front of it. I have a chocolate stain on my shirt today. Oh, so. I, I didn't notice the red wine stain. I didn't know if you were drinking over lunch. So <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I only drink martinis over lunch because it doesn't stain my clothes. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it goes better with Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect pairing with the Jimmy John's number five. <laughs> so we, we got off topic today. We didn't get to what we were going to talk about. Uh, that's but fine. Yeah. I think people like this. Uh, so what, what, what are you guys you know, drinking at home that, uh, over the summertime? Because uh, one, one of my favorites and true wine connoisseurs you know, turned their nose up at rosé, but I love it in the summertime. We've been drinking a lot more rosé. See, the whole thing for me is that I, I had to... Once this client came in, and, and he's related to the wine industry, so he does a lot of it, and... He just kind of said, you've got to check your ego at the door and you like what you like and just try new things. So I have been trying new things. Like I've never been much of a white wine guy. I've always been a red wine guy. And then when he told me that, and and my wife really liked white wine, so I just started buying it. And then I just started experimenting. And so we've been trying, you know, white Bordeaux. uh, And I think those are really good. And, uh, you know, uh, kind of balancing out, um, things in certain regions because you got the Semillon with the Sauvignon Blanc and they pair up well yep. together. I don't like it too, f- like there's a balance there. It's very, it can get out of whack quick. I really like Sauv Blanc. Um, you know, so all those little things. And then if I'm drinking reds, um, I do like a nice Chianti from time to time. Uh, I'm a cab guy mostly. Uh, I do prefer that. I do like some Pinots because they're lighter uh, in the summertime. And 
I one thing that I really like is a good Shiraz, and for me, I love that sort of pepperiness of the Shiraz. The Shiraz, I, I really enjoy a good Shiraz. So. Those are kind of the grapes that I tend to favor. Well, and Shiraz is great, like in the summertime if you're grilling. It really pairs well with grilled meats. Definitely, and, yeah, yeah. If um, I'm going red, but if you know, I, I have, we've been drinking a lot more rosé, and I have to say, sparkling wine for sure. There's been definitely more of a movement there. I actually think from like a, a Tuesday wine you're talking about, like the the purple label prosecco from. Uh, Costco, like oh, yeah. best value ever. Costco is actually an interesting kind of value setup because they'll get uh, grapes. They're, they're, they're champagne when they have champagne on offer. I mean, so champagne is a blended wine, right? They get all the grapes and basically, you know, your big houses. Now, they're a grower vintner, uh, you know, where they make it in one plot of land, champagnes. But what Costco does there is they just buy up all these excess grapes for cheap and make it, and in a lot of cases, it's or it's somebody had access, and now they need to move it, and they don't want to label it, so they just label it, uh, you know, Kirkland brand. And the Kirkland Champagne is great. The Kirkland Prosecco is is great. And again, you know, if you can find one that's ten bucks, that's a great, you know, that's a that's a nice little celebration. You know, I if like it's how a you long put there week. though, kind of like Costco, like they buy up a bunch of the grapes, but like. Jim, the stock guy, is actually like crushing the grapes. So <laughs> that's not how this works. No, no, they're they're yeah, they're 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 not. <laughs> you're lo- out in Middleton. They're not you know running the cows over the grapes to make the champagne. They they make it and and go through it. But you know they have a lot of products like that in their liquor department where they're buying you know stuff that other cu- people couldn't sell. And as long as you slap the Costco label on it, they're okay with it. Yeah. I, I think good value too, and I didn't mention it earlier, and I don't even know if I really want to mention it because it, then I might not have as much access to it. But wine text is something that I've signed up for. Now it's a double edged sword because they'll send you this description. It's the best sounding description you've ever had. <laughs> Mouth watering, like, yeah. Oh man! And then it's it, it seems to just they seem to do a great job of curating wines on it. And then all you need to do is is hit the number and send, and it's done. It gets shipped right to you. So it's a little dangerous. I have to I have to say that from a financial advisor perspective saying it, it's a little harder on your pocketbook cuz uh, you know replying 6 or 12 to some of these wines can get a little costly but I mean from the standpoint of value it, it actually cut out the middleman there and that's something to consider and so I'm sure if somebody from Steve's is listening to this they're probably like I hate wine text but it's <laughs> probably it's probably it's a great deal I mean it really is they they do curate you know some of the things that you can't necessarily get to and, and it's not like a a widely shopped sort of service. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, you know, uh, wine tastings are a great, fun time to go to. Um, you know, I know Square Wine Company does quite a few. Um, I think Steve's does them every once in a while, or a distributor, and that's a great way to learn about a new region. You know, I don't know much about Italian wines, relatively speaking, to what I know about France. So I'll, uh, if I see an Italian wine tasting, I try to get down and, and go check it out, learn a little bit more. And then, you know, there's so much free stuff on the Internet, um, and great programs. My favorite is the wine show with my uh, my uh, man crush Matthew Good. Um, he and Matthew Reese uh, did the first season from uh, the Americans, and that's a g- great fun one where they kind of take you around and tell you some stories and and go and they work with a guy who was a big time wine importer in London, so he's kind of the expert and they're the two idiots dancing around. So, yeah, just you know any chance you can get uh, to to kind of learn a little bit more or watch a YouTube video or, or things like that is is well worth it. 
Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us on the wine episode of Give Me Some Truth. <laughs> Hopefully, we've inspired you a little bit to try something new. And hey, you know, if you guys check out a good wine, you know, do not hesitate to reach out to us or leave a comment on it and just say what you what you like and what you've tried. And, uh, you know, we can all share this together. Yeah, so. we're, we're always in the mood for recommendations, I think. That's right. Of course, you don't want to share your, your favorite little secret wine because you're worried that everybody's going to buy it out or the price will, will go up in, in, with your recommendation. That's true. And, and if you see this little, you know, if you're doing a tour or whatever and you stop by those tiny little uh, vineyards, it's so cool because you feel like you've unearthed this little gem and then you get to share it with somebody and you have a great story. So thanks you for joining us. And uh, we'll be back with another probably a little bit more traditional episode of Give Me Some Truth. services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.